Hi, and welcome to the Legal LGBT Podcast. I'm Eric Lesh, Executive Director of Legal, the LGBT Bar of New York. On today's episode, we'll discuss the latest cake news from the Supreme Court and more, including a decision from another state high court that is sticking to its pro-equality ruling after searching the record for signs of bias in the proceeding. Next, we'll chat about a New York case where the LGBT Bar Association of New York initially won parenting rights for a non-bio, non-adoptive mom and the cert petition by a gay dad that seeks to reverse it. Finally, we'd like to talk about the latest on a conversion therapy case in New Jersey State Court, where the provider of this discredited, fraudulent practice just won't go away. With us, as usual, is Professor Art Leonard of New York Law School. Art is chief editor and writer of LGBT Law Notes, the most comprehensive monthly publication covering the latest LGBT legal news here and abroad. Hi, Art. How you doing? Okay. Great. Still decompressing from pride. (laughs) Yeah, still sweltering in the heat. Um, So it is summer, as we mentioned, so that means wedding season is upon us. And we have plenty of wedding um, cake to serve up here. On June 17th, the Supreme Court granted cert in another wedding cake case, this time out of Oregon. But before you worry about what a Kennedy-less court will do with this case, don't. For now, the court remanded the case to the Colorado Intermediate Court for further consideration in light of the court's decision last year in Masterpiece Cake Shop. Oregon Intermediate Court. That's what I said. The Colorado was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To the Oregon... We're juggling these cases. So much cake. Oregon, Colorado. Um, Thanks for the correction, Art. And of course, folks may also remember that on June 25th, of 2018, the U.S. Supreme Court also vacated and remanded the Washington State Supreme Court's decision in Arlene Flowers v. Washington. This was a case involving a same-sex couple that was refused service by a flower shop because they were gay. Well, the court looked at the record and issued a new ruling, so Art has an update on that front, too. Art, let's start with the Klein case, which is most definitely out of Oregon. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we got to keep our, our state courts straight here. Yeah, let's Pardon go. Pardon the expression. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, what is a gay wedding cake, anyway? Uh, it, it's, it's a cake who lusts for other cakes of the same <laughs> genre? I don't, I don't know. At any rate, so, so here's what happens. Uh... The Supreme Court last term in Masterpiece Cake Shop didn't decide whether a baker or any other wedding service provider has a constitutional right to refuse to serve same-sex couples. What they did decide was that in that particular case, uh, as far as the Supreme Court was concerned, the state failed to provide a neutral, non-biased forum to adjudicate the case against Jack Phillips uh, of Masterpiece Cake Shop, who would refuse to make a cake for a same-sex couple's wedding. All right, so uh, the court ducked the underlying issue, leaving open, uh, among other things, uh, the question whether it's old precedent, dating way back to 1990, of Employment Division versus Smith, uh, still holds for these kinds of cases, uh, because that's one of the issues that, that's obviously in play here, and certainly... It's one of the issues that the uh, latest cert petitions we have suggest uh, they're trying to get the court to to address. So uh, in this case, the facts were startlingly similar 
to the Facts of Masterpiece Cake Shop. The, uh, the one difference was uh, that in this case, we didn't have any situation where an adjudicator had directly indicated bias. Mm -hmm. uh, but at any rate, uh, this cert petition uh, was pending at the time of Masterpiece, and uh, this cert petition now was finally, after being conferenced many, many times by the court, uh, was granted in Klein versus Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries. Uh, in this case, uh, Melissa Klein, who is the proprietor of Sweet Cakes by Melissa, rejected a wedding cake order from Rachel and Lauren Bowman Cryer on religious grounds. They filed complaints with the Oregon Department of Justice and the Bureau of Labor and Industries. Uh, the media found the case newsworthy. And as a result of reporting on the case, a, the commissioner of the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industry, Brad Avakian, did a posting on Facebook. Okay. Okay. So he posted a link to a television station's news story about the refusal of service, and this is his statement. Oh, God. Quote, Here we go. Everyone has a right to their religious beliefs, but that doesn't mean they can disobey the laws that are already in place. Having one set of rules for everybody ensures that people are treated fairly as they go about their daily lives. <laughs> that and seems pretty neutral and unbiased. It sounds like a restatement <laughs> of the law. Right. Uh, so the Oregonian, which is the, uh, the statewide newspaper in Oregon, uh, subsequently had an article about this that quoted Avakian further as stating, mm -hmm. quote, everyone is entitled to their own beliefs, but that doesn't mean that folks have the right to discriminate. Okay. What is Avakian's role in this process as commissioner? His role as commissioner is to sit as an appellate body mm -hmm. from decisions by ALJs. Okay. If the ALJ's decision is objected to by one of the parties. Okay. All right, so before the ALJ, who was holding a hearing on this case, uh, the uh, Melissa Klein and Sweet Cakes by Melissa moved to disqualify Avakian from sitting in any capacity in this case because of his Facebook post and his quote in the Oregonian. Yeah. The ALJ denied the motion. The ALJ ruled against them, mm -hmm. against, the, uh, against Klein and Sweet Cakes by Melissa, uh, on the discrimination claim and also on a second claim it seems there's a separate provision of the Oregon statute that makes it unlawful for uh, a place of public accommodation to announce in advance that they will discriminate in the future mm. on particular issues. And it seems that in interviews with the newspaper, uh, Melissa's husband had uh, been quoted as uh, explaining why they would refuse to make wedding cakes. Mm -hmm. So the charge was also that they had violated this other provision by announcing, in effect, that they will not make wedding cakes for same-sex couples in the future. Yeah. All right, the ALJ ruled against the, uh, the uh, commission on that and ruled in favor of the Kleins, mm -hmm. saying all they were doing was explaining why they had refused the order in this case. They weren't necessarily stating that they would discriminate in the future. Yeah. Well, they certainly weren't backing down either. Uh, all right, so the, the, uh, both sides took exceptions to the ALJ's ruling. Uh, the, uh, the Kleins objected to the ruling that they had discriminated because their claim was always they didn't discriminate based on sexual orientation. They said, we are very happy to sell cakes to gay people as long as they're not wedding cakes right. for use at a wedding. No. You know, we're, we're against same-sex marriage for religious reasons, but we're not against gay people in general. Yeah. 
So they, they felt it was wrong to rule against them on the discrimination claim. Uh, and of course, the agency, which had uh, brought charges uh, and and the individuals, uh, the uh, the women, uh, Rachel and Lauren, who had brought this discrimination claim, they took exception to the finding that the clients had not announced that they would discriminate in the in the future. So the case goes up to Brad Avakian, and Brad Avakian affirmed the discrimination ruling and reversed the ALJ mm. on the other ruling and yeah. said, "No, I think they were announcing that they would not do these cases in the future," uh, but he didn't increase the damage award as a result of that ruling, which was $135,000. Wow. Expensive refusal of the mm-hmm. case. All right. So uh, the case goes up to the Oregon Court of Appeals, and the Oregon Court of Appeals affirms the discrimination ruling but reverses a vacuum and reinstates the ALJ's ruling that Klein had not violated the provision of the statute against announcing in advance that you will discriminate. Okay. And from there, there's a cert petition. Uh, so... The interesting thing here is that uh, you would think that they would have emphasized Avakian's actions. Right. Because that seems to play into the Masterpiece Cake Shop case. That's where I thought you were going with this. Well, that's where I thought they were going with this. And they mentioned it, of course, in their cert petition, but they didn't make it one of the questions presented. Okay. What they want is for the court to reconsider and overrule. Just the whole thing, yeah. Employment Division versus Smith. Mm-hmm. They want the court to revive the prior case law, which said that even if a general law of a neutral law of general application has an incidental burden of religion, it's still subject to strict scrutiny, uh, which was the prior case law, which was reversed in Employment Division versus Smith, mm-hmm. and an opinion by Justice Scalia of all people. Right. Uh, so they want it to be reversed, and they want the First Amendment claims to be revived for incidental burdens on on free exercise. And in another question, they asked the court to go back to some dicta in the Employment Division case itself, which had suggested that if other constitutional rights apart from free exercise of religion were involved, that would go to heightened scrutiny or strict scrutiny. Yeah. Because the argument that the cake people are making is also it's a compelled speech case. Right. They're required to design and execute a, a cake for a same-sex wedding. But the Supreme Court is they, they're very quiet about the reasons why they grant or don't grant petitions. In this case, they granted the cert petition, but they didn't specify whether they were granting it with respect to any particular one of the questions presented in the petition. They said they were vacating and remanding, vacating the Oregon Court of Appeals decision and remanding for further consideration in light of masterpiece. Okay. Uh, no more than that. No explanation. Uh, are they interested in reconsidering Employment Division versus Smith? We don't know. <laughs> it was a controversial decision when it was made. It led to the passage of the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act and of many state statutes uh, along similar lines trying to revive the strict scrutiny test for laws that incidentally burden religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Supreme Court subsequently held that you can't revive the constitutional uh, uh, provision because it's a Supreme Court decision on constitutional interpretation, but uh, that states could rule that they were voluntarily restricting their ability to pass general laws that uh, burden religious exercise. Okay. And so that's the statutory basis for claiming strict scrutiny 
under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. But in the meantime, this case goes back to Oregon, and I'm thinking that the only possible arguments that they could make in this case are that Mr. Avakian posted something on posted his something page. and he shouldn't have posted but we don't something. we don't want to help them with their arguments yeah. well they know what their arguments are <laughs> on remand i mean it does seem like as you said you know they they would have picked up on that in the first place if their goal was really just to win for right. for melissa the their, point their goal here, is to get employment division that's right i mean this is this is a uh, a cause case. Right. I think it's ADF was involved in this one. So, All right. No, well, First Liberty Institute. I'm pretty confident that the Oregon uh, Intermediate Court is going to get this right again. Yeah. And what, what gives us uh, hope for that is what the Washington State Supreme Court did, which is the other cake thing that we're mixing in here. Or actually, this was this the flower. This is flowers. Thing. This was the flower thing. Yeah. You dip the flowers in the cake. I don't know. <laughs> you mix <things laughs> we have to up. come. This 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 ruling smells sweet. How about yes, that? This is a sweet smelling ruling. <laughs> I don't know. I sniffed the frosting. Okay, <laughs> so this is on June sixth. Uh, the Washington State Supreme Court, nine member state Supreme Court, unanimously refused to back down from their earlier decision that Baronel Stutzman and her business Arlene's Flowers violated the anti discrimination law and the consumer protection law of the state of Washington by refusing to do floral arrangements for a wedding for uh, Robert Ingersoll and Kirk Fried. And uh, they also held that Stutzman had no constitutional privilege to violate the state's anti-discrimination law based on her religious beliefs. And she was also another one who was arguing, I don't discriminate based on sexual orientation. I've sold flowers to Robert Ingersoll in the past. I'm happy to sell him flowers in the future. I just won't sell him flowers for Always a wedding. wedding. Yep. Uh, but the Washington... Uh, uh, Supreme Court didn't agree. Right. That that's Once again, I'll sell flowers to a straight couple, just not to a gay couple. Yeah. Um, but the issue here flowers. Uh, was that the Supreme Court had a cert petition from the original decision by the Washington Supreme Court at the time it decided a masterpiece. And mm -hmm. a few days later, it granted, uh, vacated and remanded for reconsideration or further consideration in light of masterpiece. So the Washington State Supreme Court says, look, we scoured the record for mm -hmm. any signs that either we or the lower courts in this case, anyone who was involved in adjudicating this case, was expressing bias or hostility to religion. This is not one that went through an administrative agency. This went directly to court. So we're talking about two courts. Uh, they, we, they said we can't find anything in the record that, that any of these judges made any statements, either uh, during the oral argument or in any other connection, uh, casting aspersions on religious belief or anything like that. Uh, now, what they were hoping for here uh, was to focus in on the role of the attorney general. Mm -hmm. Because what happened in this case uh, was uh, the denial of the flowers. Immediately we had publicity, we had media reporting, and the state attorney general didn't go on Facebook, please. No, but expressed outrage, <laughs> expressed yeah. outrage about it, and yeah. filed suit. Okay. Didn't even wait for them to file a discrimination claim. Uh, and then uh, subsequently, uh, Ingersoll and Freed filed their own lawsuit, and the two cases were consolidated. Uh, but uh, now we have Arlene saying, uh, Arlene's Flowers, Baronel Stutzman, 
proprietor saying, look, the attorney general was biased against us. The attorney general made statements. And the Washington Supreme Court said, that's irrelevant. The attorney general his job. was acting as an advocate for a party in this case. Right. The attorney general was not acting as an adjudicator. Right. And what the Supreme Court said in Masterpiece is adjudicators have to be right. neutral. Right. Can you imagine if everybody's lawyer had to be neutral when they were making arguments? Right. I don't know. So, so they said no. Makes no, no sense. And, and then there was another thing that you, you may recall, our, our listeners may recall, in Masterpiece, one of the reasons cited by Justice Kennedy for finding that it was not a neutral forum was that a provocateur named William Jack, when he heard about this case, had gone to other bakers and asked them to, to bake cakes oh, designed yeah. to be anti-gay, you know, anti-gay symbols and slogans on them, and they turned him down. Uh, and he filed charges with the Civil like Rights Commission, and they, the commission dismissed the charges. Yeah. Uh, so Kennedy said, well, that's inconsistent. And uh, the dissenting opinion in Masterpiece said, no, it's not inconsistent. Mm -hmm. But in this case, there were news reports about a, I think it was a restaurant or a tavern or something, that had expelled some Christians. Mm. And there were newspaper reports about that. And so uh, Stutzman argues here, well, the Attorney General reacted to news reports about this turn down of the flowers by filing a lawsuit. Why didn't he file a lawsuit against the tavern that expelled the Christians? All right, that's ridiculous. And the court said, well, once again, you're talking about the Attorney General, not about a lack of neutrality by the commission. In Masterpiece, it was the commission that dismissed the complaints against the other bakers who turned down Mr. Jack. So they said, we don't think it's, it's relevant. Hmm. So they reaffirmed their opinion, and they said, since the Supreme Court vacated our opinion, we are reproducing virtually verbatim <laughs> yeah, it's the, another. the analysis section of my prior opinion right. to put it back into Washington yeah, case was, law. Yeah. Now, what is the reaction of Baron L. Stutzman to this new ruling? I'm going to file a cert petition. Oh, for God's sake. So, you know, the Supreme Court is going to be getting into the bakery uh, review business. Right. When it, They should have known when they vacated and remanded that these are coming right back up. And, and these cases have not been good publicity for bakers because I remember during the oral argument in Massachusetts, Masterpiece, more than one member of the court made disparaging remarks about wedding cakes. Oh, they did? I think Justice, was it Justice Robert or Robert said, you know, or Gorsuch, who said, oh, you don't eat the cakes or nothing tastes oh, worse no. than a wedding cake. <laughs> yeah. so, so, you know, they're getting bad publicity, too. But it's hard to say. But I, go to, I go to weddings for the booze, not for the cake. Not for the cake, yeah. <laughs> and... One thing uh, to remember is that, that there is an agenda here. Yeah. And the agenda is to get the court to reconsider Employment Division versus Smith right. and to revive First Amendment exceptionalism, right. again, to compliance with anti-discrimination laws. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal of the people who are volunteering to litigate on behalf of these right. bakers. These folks laws. don't care about going down and looking at bias in the proceeding. They're trying to get right back up there on the original question. Yeah. Um, which and now that... Justice Kennedy is not on the court, and Hi. Kavanaugh instead, who knows? And they love to reverse uh, relatively recent precedents, it seems. So, yeah. I mean, um, well, so, you know, th this is getting set up. All right, so why don't you update us on scheduling for oral argument in right. Bostock? Right, this is a, a last uh, sort of bit on the Supreme Court here yeah. until we get to the new cert petition that we're going to be talking about. Uh, the Supreme Court on April 22 granted cert in three cases that have been lingering on their docket for a long time. Uh, the Bostock case, a Bostick case from uh, Georgia, okay. and the Zarda case mm -hmm. from New York, 
and the Harris Funeral Homes case, uh, Amy Stevens, uh, the funeral director from uh, Michigan, uh, the Sixth Circuit, these all present different versions of the question of how do you interpret Title VII with respect to sexual minority discrimination claims, whether it's sexual orientation or gender identity. Supreme Court granted cert on all three, uh, consolidated the two sexual orientation cases for argument, and that's going to be on October 8th, which is startlingly early in the term. Really we had, early. We had thought, because they had granted certain in uh, quite a few cases, a few dozen cases before they granted these petitions, but October 8th is the second day of the term. Wow. Uh, the, the month of October begins on a Tuesday, mm -hmm. uh, and the Constitution says that the Supreme Court's term shall begin on the first Monday in October. There you go. So the first Monday in October is October 7th. That's okay. their opening session. And October 8th is their second session, and wow. the sexual orientation cases are given an hour for a total of an hour for argument for the consolidated cases in the morning, and then we've got an hour argument in the afternoon for the gender identity case. Wow. Okay, so let's go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we'll still be talking about the Supreme Court, uh, but in a cert petition uh, in a case out of New York. All right, and we're back. For those who don't know, Legal, the LGBT Bar Association of New York, brings impact litigation in New York State. And back in 2016, we were co-counsel with Lambda Legal in an important parenting case decided in New York's highest court called Brook SB. The case broke new legal ground for New York by allowing for the possibility of standing in custody and visitation proceedings for non-biological, non-adoptive parents. This reversed a terrible 25-year-old precedent and left children born to same sex and other couples who couldn't or didn't marry and later split up without any protection in New York State. So now a gay biological dad who lost custody of twins to his former same-sex partner by application of Brooke SB asked the Supreme Court to hear this case and reverse this important precedent. Art, tell us a little bit about this case um, and why it would be a big deal if the court were to take it. Well, it's a big deal if the court were to take it because so far the litigation about this issue, about same-sex co-parents standing in custody and visitation disputes after breaking up the child's biological or adoptive parent, uh, the state courts that have dealt with it are split, are divided. There are some states where they find there is no standing. There are some states where they find there is. New York was a laggard for a long time, as you mentioned, because right. of that old decision, Allison D., which, long. by the way, was a Lambda case. Yeah. Uh, and uh, other states have taken the lead on this. New Jersey was out there. I think Michigan was out there. There's a few others. Uh, but... Uh, there is a split, but I think the majority trend has been going to recognize. But the courts have not been considering 14th Amendment issues. Uh, and the 14th Amendment is potentially uh, worrisome here because the Supreme Court has recognized that biological parents under the uh, liberty protections of the Due Process Clause have very strong rights with regard to the custody and visitation of their children. Uh, and in fact, there there is an argument based on some of the Supreme Court decisions that biological parents are supposed to have sort of a thumb on the scales in custody disputes with non-biological parents, at least as a, a possible argument. 
in this case, uh, we have two gay men, Frank G. and Joseph P. They were living together in New York, same-sex relationship. They made a joint decision. They want to have a kid. They wanted the kid to be related to both of them. And it turned out that Joseph P.'s sister, Renee, had years before when he came out to her and said, you know, they're talking about he, he wanted to be a father someday. She said, well, if you need a surrogate, I'm willing to be a surrogate. Mm-hmm. So now they decided Frank G. is the sperm donor and Joseph P.'s sister, Renee, will be the surrogate, not a gestational surrogate, a full surrogate, which means her own eggs, okay. uh, although they'll be extracted and uh, inseminated by uh, art, what is sometimes called artificial insemination mm-hmm. or alternative reproductive technology to create an embryo mm-hmm. and then implant it. Okay. Uh, or an ova and then implant it and then the cell starts splitting and becomes an embryo. But uh, they, and they, they normally implant two or more because they sometimes don't succeed. So they put in two as sort of... All of a sudden, it's a biology class. That's that's, that's how we get twins. It wasn't that they were aiming for twins. Okay, so they had twins. So they got twins. uh, And at first, everything was fine, but it turned out uh, these guys didn't have total agreement about how exclusive their relationship was going to be. And uh, there was some wandering, and there were arguments, and there was a split up. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Joseph P. remembered filling out forms for adoption, but Frank G. never completed them and submitted them, so he never became an adoptive parent here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had no legal relationship to these kids other than the fact that they lived in New York where the courts recognized that if you have clear and convincing evidence, this is the Brooke S.B. precedent, if you have clear and convincing evidence that a same-sex couple deliberately agreed and made an agreement that they would raise a child together, they would create this child through donor insemination, uh, and they would serve as parents when the children were born, then the court would find standing in the non-biological parent. Now, in this case, Joseph P. may be a non-biological parent, but he's a biological uncle. Mm-hmm but I don't think that weighed any yeah. here. The point was that both of the men uh, played full parenting roles for the time that they were together. And even after they split up and uh, you know the kids remained with Frank G., Joseph P. had visitation, frequent contact. I mean, yeah, it's his sister. There's no arguing right. that they didn't intend this to be right. a co-parenting and, relationship. And, and clearly decided in the, in the lower court decision that's being appealed here. Yeah. So uh, uh, at some point, Frank G. moves with the kids to Florida without even notifying Joseph P. and Renee where he's going. When they find out, they file actions. Now, at the time, because the Allison D. precedent was there, mm-hmm. uh, what Joseph P. filed for was a guardianship because he didn't have standing to file for custody. Yeah. Uh, but in the course of the case, the Court of Appeals decided Brooke S.B., and it turned into a custody case. And Renee also sued for custody. After all, she's the biological mother, so she has equal standing. Wow. So they, they just wanted to get a foot into court, yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. And there was a... Uh, a dispute about standing, and the dispute uh, about standing was resolved in favor of Joseph P. and Renee having standing. Mm-hmm. And then there was a trial, and the trial court's decision is not published, but uh, a complete uh, account of the trial was made by the judge in the opinion, and the opinion is part of the appendix of the cert petition. Okay. So one can go in on the Supreme Court's website and you can 
uh, download the, the cert petition, and as part of the cert petition, the, there's this whole big... And the, the trial court went into excruciating detail, summarizing the testimony of everybody and explaining how she had weighed the evidence. Mm. And she decided that Joseph P. should have custody, not joint custody, because these guys don't agree about anything. Joseph P. gets the custody, and Frank G. gets visitation. And Joseph P. is the non-bio non parent. Joseph yeah. P. is Renee's brother. Wow, you know. there you go. Uh, and Renee wasn't really seeking custody as long as she has a continuing role as yeah. an aunt to, the, to these right, children. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Joseph P. gets custody, and the court specifically said under Brooke S. B., Joseph P. and Frank G. stand um, as equal, equal footing. Equal so we footing. So we look at the best interest of the child. What is the best placement for the child? Yeah. Uh, you know, wow. who who can best uh, raise the child and everything to be a custodial parent? And she thought Joseph P. made the better case. All right. So Frank G. Uh, tried to appeal this to the appellate division, didn't get anywhere. Uh, so he now files a cert petition, uh, which was filed in May, May tenth. Uh, and what brought this to our attention, really, was uh, that there was an article that I saw online in a news outlet saying uh, that there was a cert petition uh, right around the time when the responses were due. And the cert petition, because you need a federal question in a cert petition, mm -hmm. the cert petition is all about due process in the 14th Amendment and says Frank's mm -hmm. rights as a biological parent were violated by the state of New York by not giving him preference here hmm. and by according any standing to his former partner who had no legal relationship to the child and, and raised this uh, issue. There was a, a case from the state of Washington about uh, a dispute between some grandparents and a mother and the, it was the paternal grandparents and the mother cut them off after the, her ex-husband committed suicide. It was really messy. And it seemed that the Washington courts gave the grandparents, they said, anyone can just come in and can seek custody. <laughs> this and the Supreme Court said, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously they should and we're actually right. watching Big Little Lies right now yeah. and Meryl Streep is right. trying to do the same thing. Yeah. But, but Take away the kids and we're like, that but, doesn't, it's not going to happen. The courts have, have <laughs> Of course, have all distinguished that case of from course. these cases. Yeah, uh, because these cases are between co-parents who, you know, were raising, conceived the kids together, raising the kids. And the together. facts here couldn't be right. make that Very case any more clear. So, uh, so the issue is: is the Supreme Court going to be lured into this? Yeah, I mean, we have this new conservative majority. The Supreme Court rarely takes family law cases. Rarely. When they do, it's because there's some constitutional question involved. Right. Uh, which and the courts seem is. to be, the courts are getting this right as they go along. You but, mentioned the circuit split, right. but New York well, figured out. Well, it's not out. a circuit split, it's a state high court split. Because oh, right, federal right, courts right. aren't involved. I'm so in this used to talking right. about in federal, federal court, courts. Federal courts don't do custody. Thank God. Cases. Yeah. <laughs> you imagine Can the you second mean? circuit deciding custody. <laughs> so, so what we have here is we have a cert petition that's dangling out there. Right. And this is the concerning part. No one has responded. Right. I mean, I've been checking that docket, well, and and June 14th was the deadline for responses. What we got right before the response date was the filing of a waiver form by the attorney who had been appointed as guardian ad litem for the twins in the custody dispute, saying, I waive my right to file any response to this. Good Lord. But we have nothing from an attorney for Joseph P. And, uh, I mean, he was represented in the lower courts in the, in the uh, custody dispute and everything, and obviously by an attorney who won, but nothing has been filed on that side. Four 
amicus briefs have been filed in, su- in support of the cert petition by the usual suspects. Oh, good yeah. God. And in fact, uh, Frank G. is represented on the cert petition by one of these usual suspects. You know, these are these uh, right-wing cause organizations that are trying to uh, fight against gay rights. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a bit worrying. Maybe Joseph P.'s counsel advised him the chances of this being granted cert are virtually vanishing. But if it is granted, it puts in danger not only Brook SB, but similar state high court decisions all over over the country because it would be a federal constitutional ruling. I think it's not going to happen, but watchful eye, because this has already been listed for the long conference, which is the week before the Supreme Court term starts, they take all the cert petitions that have accumulated Uh and they go through them and they make their initial cert decisions for the forthcoming term. Okay. Uh, so we may find out something, although sometimes really? cases that are on the first uh, long conference they don't get to because there are hundreds of certifications. So we'll see. But this is something to be watchful about. Wow. Well, thank you for picking. I mean, this is also one of those that, but for your watchful eye, we probably, you know, it wouldn't have gotten any, you know, press or attention. So I'm glad that you found it. I'm, you know, just thinking about the current composition of the Supreme Court and I think Justice Roberts adopted children. I mean, it's just, it's not exactly true that this is an ideological case, right? Like, um, you know, families are changing and the composition of families and how we construct them. And I think the fact that family law is traditionally not, seen as state law, yeah, as, as not, a, not a subject. I mean, we do have some uniform statutes out there, uniform parenting statutes and things like that, which have not been adopted by every state. New York has, you know, New York isn't good on uniform laws because we've had this uh, divided legislature for so long. Maybe yeah. we'll start getting some new uniform laws as a result of the Democrats now controlling uh, both houses, because most of these uniform laws tend to be yeah. very progressive these days. All right, so not not good chances that it's going to get granted, but if it were, this would be the kind of thing that could just be devastating, I mean, yeah. if they were to take it. Okay, so let's take a break, and we'll be back with a case out of New Jersey. So we're back in a landmark June 2015 victory in a case brought by the Southern Poverty Law Center. A New Jersey jury found that a group called Jonah, a.k.a. Jews Offering New Alternatives for Healing, falsely claimed that it could change its clients from gay to straight and that Jonah's conversion therapy program was unconscionable and therefore violated New Jersey's consumer fraud law. Um, And as a result, the New Jersey Superior Court issued a decision entering a permanent injunction, which forced Jonah permanently to cease any and all operations and to dissolve. According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, within weeks of the entry of the injunction, Jonah began violating the court order by making referrals to individual counselors and to experiential weekends. Um, by collecting referral fees, by acting as a middleman between clients and counselors, and by participating in the organization of conversion therapy programs. So they didn't go away, and Southern Poverty Law Center took them back to court. Art, tell us about this case. Okay, this this is, uh, it's sort of weird uh, to find someone in such blatant violation, uh, because what happened was uh, the jury issues its verdict, and then the parties engage in settlement negotiations. 
because uh, obviously the uh, the defendant here was going to appeal. Mm-hmm. And rather than have them appeal and string this out, and in the meantime that they're conducting conversion therapy or whatever, try to get them stopped. So uh, it was negotiated that uh, the plaintiffs agreed to reduce the amount that was awarded to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the defendants agreed that they would terminate operations, that they would dissolve Jonah, that they would no longer, in fact, uh, under the settlement, uh, they agreed to entry against them of an injunction by Judge Peter F. Bariso Jr., who was the trial judge, uh, quote, permanently enjoined from engaging, whether directly or through referrals, in any therapy, counseling, treatment, or activity that has the goal of changing, affecting, or influencing sexual orientation, same-sex attraction, gender wholeness, or any other equivalent term, whether referred to as conversion therapy, reparative therapy, gender affirmation process, or any other equivalent term, or advertising or promoting conversion therapy-related commerce in or directed at New Jersey or New Jersey residents. Okay. Right? This was the injunction. Sounds pretty comprehensive. Okay, so Arthur Goldberg, who was like the prime mover of this uh, outfit, he immediately set up or actually revived an alter eagle name that had been used in the past uh, Instead of Jonah, J-O-N-A-H, it was J-I-F-G-A, which stands for Jews Offering New Alternatives, uh, rather, a Jewish Institute for Global Awareness. Oh, okay, now this is his new name. And they have a global and, mission. And the point is that he had a reputation in the field among people out there who were promoting conversion therapy. And uh, one of the main activities that he had done as Jonah, it wasn't like direct services. It was more connecting people. Mm to practitioners. Yeah. And mainly it was it was parents who were calling these are mainly Orthodox Jews who were calling asking for referrals to practitioners to cure their children of homosexuality mm-hmm. and in some cases of gender identity issues. Uh, so uh, he just continued merrily on doing the same work from yeah. the same office with the same contact information. And a new name. Just operating under a different name. And uh, as part of discovery on the motion uh, that was brought by Southern Poverty Law uh, Center here, uh, they surfaced emails in which he had virtually admitted to people, I'm not, you know, that what, what we're doing may be illegal, it may be in violation of the injunction, but I'm doing it anyway. Hmm. Uh, so uh, the judge says, look, you've got to go out of business. And I'm expand, expanding the injunction to cover the new name as well as the old name. And it's clear it's just an alter ego. It's operating out of the same office. It's using the same phone numbers. And Goldberg said, I thought the injunction just said that I couldn't do it in New Jersey. That is, that we couldn't do the actual conversion therapy in New Jersey, and I couldn't promote it in New Jersey. And he said that the the calls I was getting for referrals were from outside of New Jersey, and I was referring them to practitioners who were outside of New Jersey, and therefore I wasn't violating the injunction. And the judge said... You're kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, forget it. Uh, because if you read it carefully, there's an or in there, not an and. Mm-hmm. So everything that comes before the or doesn't have any geographical limitation. It's just you, thou shalt not do this stuff. And then after the or, and in addition, you can't advertise or promote conversion therapy directed at New Jersey or New Jersey residents. So you can't do the promotional stuff in New Jersey. I can't tell you what you can't do outside of New Jersey as far as that goes. 
but I can enjoin you from doing any of this stuff. Right. From making referrals and stuff. And he's still making these referrals from an office in New, New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah, that's presumably so, yeah, incorporated uh, here. And so and and furthermore, one of the terms of this settlement agreement was that the amount of the damages authorized by the jury were substantially reduced in exchange for this agreement to go mm -hmm. out of business. And the judge said, well, this triggers the original damages yeah. because you violated your Good. contract. So, uh, so you know, the full damages and, uh, you know, maybe we're going to go out and start seizing assets and stuff I like that. I love that. Because this guy probably doesn't have the money uh, or maybe he's I offshored it. <laughs> I mean, he's and and the, the the opinion is full of interesting stuff. Like he's working uh, under this new Jewish Institute for Global Awareness. He wants to go international, so he's been in touch with a guy down in South America to set up, you know, referrals oh back and God. forth. And he went to a conference in Slovakia, and he's trying to get in Eastern Europe to set up conversion therapy wow. clinics and stuff. So the judge says, "Look, if you do any of this stuff, you're violating the injunction." Good Lord! But. The judge denied the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center had moved, among other things, to hold Goldberg in criminal contempt. Mm -hmm. And the judge said no. He said all of the restrictions, and he put all kinds of restrictions on them, not only that they can't operate the stuff anymore, they said you may not be involved with the formation or running of any nonprofit organization in the state of New Jersey. Wow. Uh, and uh, he says, I think that the uh, restrictions that I put on them are sufficient and there's no need to have a separate hearing on criminal contempt and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's a bit naive on the part of the judge because look at this guy's track record. Yeah, wow. But as it is now, uh, we've got a very strong decision. It's not a published decision. Uh, actually, the original trial court decision is not published, but this new one is. Oh, okay. This new one is, will be published. Uh, but... Uh, you know, it's it's we're we're constantly running into the uh, litigation about uh, conversion therapy, and there are some appeals that are pending by conversion therapy outlets who uh, had been challenging local laws uh, down in Florida. There are some appeals mm -hmm. pending. Yeah, we've talked about so, some of those. You no, know, we're not sure where this is going. There, they, these people keep petitioning the Supreme Court, yeah, uh, claiming that they have a First Amendment right to perform conversion therapy, which they characterized as talk therapy. Yeah, sure. But then the interesting thing about the Jonah case, if you read the unpublished decision, which is on Lexis of the original trial court decision, uh, you will see that it goes far beyond talk therapy. Yeah, it's, it's really truly awful. Um, but, uh, you know, a really pioneering lawsuit by the Southern Poverty Law uh, Center, which, you know, used existing consumer fraud laws to right. go at conversion therapy statewide. And it's just a, a fantastic ruling. And so I'm glad to see them coming back in and enforcing it. All right, let's go ahead and uh, take our... Well, let's not just take a break. Let's just go right into our of note segment, Art. What do you... Let's take a break. Oh, Art, once, an, uh, once a break. So let's... find it. <laughs> I know what I want to talk about. Oh, okay. Um, so we're going to take a break. Okay, and we're back. Art, what do you have for your of note segment? Of note. Okay, one of the big issues in the New York State Legislature uh, was gestational surrogacy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's illegal in New York. We're one just, of only just, three states. Yes, gestational surrogacy is, is illegal in New York, and there was a proposal to legalize it, and even the out LGBT people in the legislature were divided about this proposal. But uh, there is this general mythology floating around that surrogacy is illegal in New York, 
But actually, we got a decision out of the appellate division uh, late in the month, uh, June 26th, just days before uh, the uh, Pride March and all this, uh, you know, the Pride stuff was going on. So mm -hmm. we, we got a decision out of the appellate division in a case where uh, a, a gay dad had used uh, gestational surrogacy to have kids and had gotten, had adopted the kids subsequently. Uh, this was so-called compassionate, not compensated gestational surrogacy. The, the surrogate was a volunteer. Didn't get paid for her services, but got reimbursed for expenses. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there was no problem, but at the time they created more than enough ova and so they froze the ones they weren't using because the guy said, maybe in the future I want to have more kids. Okay. It's a single gay man. Yeah. Uh, so he had twins. He's raising the twins. They get of an age to start school and everything. He says, I'm going to have some more kids. So he goes back and the frozen over there and he finds a new surrogate who is willing to volunteer mm -hmm. and has the kids and follows the same routine, file an adoption petition. The trial judge, the family court judge in Queens, denied the petition, dismissed the petition on two grounds. He said, one, there's no authority under New York state law for a biological father to adopt his own kid. Two, he said, this is a patently illegal contract and it would be like enforcing an illegal contract for me to grant this adoption petition. Weird. Mm -hmm. So it was appealed to the second department, which reversed unanimously okay. on both points. They said there is no restriction in the adoption statute on someone adopting their own kids. You can do it. Okay. And they cited a bunch of unusual situations where people end up adopting their own kids. Mm -hmm. It happens. Okay. And there's no exclusion. But they said the other point, they said, he's not suing to enforce the gestational surrogacy agreement. He's suing to adopt the kids. Mm. Adopting the kids doesn't enforce the surrogacy agreement. Right. The kids are there. Yeah. He's the biological father. Mm -hmm. And they further pointed out, and this is important in light of the legislative debate going on, they said that compassionate surrogacy agreements are not illegal in New York. They're not enforceable because they're against public policy. policy so yeah. as a matter of contract law, they're not enforceable, but they're not illegal. It's not a crime to enter into a compassionate surrogacy agreement in New mm -hmm. York. Mm -hmm. In fact, even a compensated surrogacy agreement uh, for the parties, it's like a minor offense. There's a little fine attached to it if they catch you, you know. Yeah. But for someone who goes into the business of brokering compensated surrogacy arrangements, there is a substantial fine. Sure. But well, that's against public sure. policy. But they said it's not a crime to do surrogacy if you're not paying the surrogate. Yeah. And you can even compensate her for expenses, like medical expenses or maternity clothing or whatever. But uh, you can't pay her a fee for her services. That would expose you to criminal liability. Yeah. Well, hopefully the New York legislature will change that next year. I know, um, you know, the LGBT Bar Association of New York is fighting to pass uh, the gestational surrogacy bill, um, and I, I think you know it's time for New York to join all of the other 47 states that, that allow uh, gestational surrogacy. Um, so, yeah, really interesting case, Art. Yeah. Thanks for finding that one, too. New York's got a lot of things lurking, lurking yeah. around. Um, well, great. So that's all we have time for. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next month with our next edition of the LGBT Law Notes episode of the Legal LGBT Podcast. Thanks so much. Talk soon.